to another fabulous episode of Grumpy Old Gay Men and Their Dogs. It is day 250 here in the Zen Room as we begin episode 52. My name is Patrick Finn, and I am here with the quirky Tommy Gibbons. Hi, bitches. How are you, Thomas? You're so loud. I'm always loud. I know, and you moved into that microphone so close, it was like... <laughs> well, because I had the script on the table and the mic's on the table, so that's why I was leaning like this. Both of the people But I'll back off deaf. now. I'll, I'll make sure I'm not as close to the I'm mic now. It's loud. Okay. I'll try to soften it. It's a bit. called the Zen Room. Okay. You right. sound like a construction site. <laughs> Fine, I'll, I'll bring the tone down very mellow. Oh, see, okay? nice, nice. Is this much better for you now? Both people listening are going to be happy with Cool, this. I'm so <laughs> glad to hear that, you fuckhead. So how are you going doing? On? What's going on with you? Nothing, it's the same. Yeah, I know your show closed this weekend. It closed Sunday. In fact, both our shows closed this past weekend. Yours closed Saturday. Yes, it did. Yes. And did you have a good closing? It was fun. It was a nice big house. Yes, I know. We were there to see the last show. The show was fun. It was, uh, went well. It was like a little sleeper hit. It was very farcical. It's a farce. That's why it was very <laughs> farcical. <laughs> yes, you don't go there for deep uh, religious experiences or deep knowledge. Is you go there to laugh two hours. Yes, and that's what we did. And that's what they did. So yeah, glad yeah, to no, hear that. Was that. Good. Yes, it is. Now it's over. Yes, it is. The ethereal nature of theater. Yes, it's so temporary, so, so temporary. transient, transient. <laughs> Did you call me some kind of name? I called you Quirky before. Quirky, yeah, Quirky. I thought that was a good adjective for you tonight. I think I'm a little old to be Quirky. I don't Although, think you're ever too old to be Quirky. I, th I think I agree with you. Yeah. Although probably at, at our age it would be called eccentric. Uh, yeah. But I also think you have to have money to be called eccentric. Uh, there, there's that. <laughs> and yeah. since neither one of us have that, no, we're we'll, just we'll go with Quirky. Quirky. It just sounds so young. But I know some quirky old people. Yes, me too. Right here so, in this room. <laughs> anyway, before we move on to our first segment, I think we have to acknowledge a great event that just happened this past weekend. I'm surprised you haven't been raving about yet. RuPaul won her 12th Emmy Award this past weekend, extending her reign as the most winning black artist in Emmy history. It's amazing, right? Right? She w just won her 7th Emmy for hosting RuPaul's Drag Race. The other five Emmys were for the show itself. The producing or the... Yep. Okay. Or, or be, no, basically best reality program or best reality competition program. Uh, okay. She, her show won those, won those category five times. Yeah, that's awesome. So, which she gets credit for. So, she has now won 12 times. I, I mean, and we're talking about drag. <laughs> like... Remember it as the most taboo. You're talking about ever? someone who had a cameo appearance in the Love Shack video by the B-52s, you know? When she was just getting started out. That was over 40 years ago. And look where she is now. It's her her contribution, gay and lesbian, gay and questioning all your initials is immeasurable. Yeah, it really it's is. It's immeasurable. She what 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 he has done, what she has done, well what RuPaul Charles has done. Nobody else could have. Really? It's the truth. Build a drag entertainment empire. It's crazy. It is crazy. It's crazy. Right? It's crazy to think about. You know, uh, coming out was hard enough in 1985. Drag didn't... Drag happened, and there was a lot of it, and there was a lot of good ones. Yeah. But um, it was in, you know, the bar at the gate of the block. You know, it was always the sort of shady thing about it. And now it's like, bitch! Yeah. 
And she was always ambitious, too, you know? Oh, wow. She just kept plugging away and going at it between music and modeling and the TV shows, you know? It's just... It's amazing. It's an, been an amazing career. So congratulations to RuPaul... Good for you, ...on Will. your 12th Emmy Award win. That's a lot. Right? Ah, it's amazing. That's a uh, lot. Just amazing. That's like Edith Head when she used to get all the... Uh, costuming? Yeah. All the costume Wasn't it the costuming or the hairstyling awards? Edith Head? Yeah. I can't remember now. I'm not sure. Okay. But she but she got all those Oscars for so many years. I don't... It might have been wigs. Yeah. I'm not sure which it was now. Uh, but mm, anyway... We'll look, that up. we'll look that up later. In the meantime... It's time for a little heavy petting dogs. with the dogs. And I, I didn't have a particular issue to talk about tonight concerning dogs. For I thought it would be good on, on, on nights like this when we don't have a particular topic. We can put a spotlight on different dog breeds. So tonight's spite, spotlight is on a dog called... The often pincher. Often pincher. You, of course, will provide pictures of the animal. Oh, I can definitely show you a picture the, of the often pincher. The animal in motion. We want to see him in, like, because uh, you can catch a, uh, the, the agility tests. They have the agility t- I love them. I fall into, like, wormholes of agility. Okay. This is an often pincher. An often pincher. Okay. So, okay. That's okay. a better picture. Okay. It originated in Germany and dates back to the 17th century. The word Afa, uh, the name basically means monkey dog or a monkey terrier. Okay. Because of its face. You'll see the way its face is, and it's like there's like no, there's no long snout on it. That is one terrier looking dog. Right? It is. And it is, that's what I was reading about was it's often mistaken for being a terrier, but it's actually a member of the toy pincher breed. Okay. Well, I, that's when they get the... Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Right? I don't like the, the flat-nosed dogs. Yeah, it's, I mean, there's no snout on it whatsoever. She's cute as hell, though. Well, he... Or right? It's a beautiful-looking dog. Yeah. Uh, they, grow, they, they grow uh, like uh, about 9 to 12 inches tall, about 7 to 13 pounds. Uh, it's known for, like I said, it's monkey-like expression. Its median lifespan is like 12 to 14 years. They are known as smart, energetic, playful, apartment-friendly, family-friendly, but they don't eat, like being alone. And they can be a little difficult to train. That's your terrier. Yep. And all, they said the coat is rough when it's long, but when it's cut short, it's very soft. Right. But otherwise, it's a very rough hair. And they were originally bred uh, light terriers to catch rats and other rodents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the story of the often pincher. Bum, bum. <laughs> just inviting more sound effects. I know. I, I didn't think of one for this. No. Well, did you, did, did you have that line scripted? Which what? What scripted? The line that you said that, that I picked up as a cue for a sound effect. Oh, you're going to have to go back. Yeah, because I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, you were just there. It just happened. Uh, okay, I don't know what you mean. Uh, but anyway, that's the story of the often pincher, and that's the end of the segment tonight for Heavy Petting. Aren't you glad? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Short and sweet. Short and sweet. And we put a highlight on a dog that most people probably don't even know about. It's like a public service we do. Exactly. You're just out of your freaking mind. <laughs> Thank you. We now move on to your favorite segment. Birthdays. Happy birthday. 
Many happy returns. A very happy birthday. Yes, it's time for birthdays. And for this month also, it is Hispanic Heritage Month. I love this. Right? So, for our first birthday, we, of course, have a Hispanic person. Who is it? Let's see if you can figure out who it was. Oh, I forgot about this game. Why do we do that? He was born September 7th, 1969. Oh, he's younger than me, this bitch. Yeah, he's uh, fi- he's 53 years old yeah, now today. Yeah, he's younger than me. You don't have to tell me the number. I knew what it was. Okay. Uh, as a single skater, he was the 1996 U.S. National Champion, This is 1987 the... World Junior Champion, and 19. 19- 96 world bronze medalist. The very delicious Rudy Galindo. Rudy Galindo is correct. Very good. He forgot his honorific. He competed with Christy Yamaguchi and uh, as as a uh, pair skater together. Uh, why not? And they were. Uh, he was the 1988 world junior champion and 1989 and 1990 U.S. national champion. He was also the first Mexican American and first openly gay skating skating champion in the United States because he came out in 19. 1996, right before he won the U.S. National Championship. He was elected to the U.S. Figure Skating Hall of Fame in 2012. So, <laughs> it just seems, when you talk about male figure skaters, to let uh, he, that he, Rudy was the first out. Yes. I understand clinically how that works. Like, how the language together, he was the first one who said, yes, I'm gay. Yes. In the generations that came before. Most of them were gay, and we knew it. And it was but none out. of them were out. Brian Boitano was a national champion also, but right. he didn't come out until years afterwards. But everyone pretty much knew he was gay. Yeah, yeah. Right? Most of them. Yeah. Not Elvis. I, think he was I don't think he was gay either. He was very cute, though, too. I liked him. Well, they're all cute. They're young. They're healthy. Their asses are giant in the sky. Yes. <laughs> For fuck's sake. What's not to love? And Rudy has, you know, he was awesome. He was... So cute. Yes, definitely. Is he still alive? Who? Rudy Galinda? Rudy Galinda. Yes, he's 53 years old. He is now an ice skating coach at the same San Jose, California rink where he started his career. And among his students is Christy Yamaguchi's daughter. Oh, dear. Right? All so right. Looks like he's doing pretty good for good himself. For Just keep skating. Yep. So to Rudy Galinda, we say... Happy birthday! Wasn't that nice? Yeah, that was lovely. <laughs> Now move on to our next birthday celebrant. She's alive also. You're getting all the live ones today. Yeah, I outlived them all. She was born in Los Angeles and raised in Southern California. She was born September 7th, 1950. She attended Beverly Hills High School, where she unsuccessfully auditioned for plays, but she was noted for her improvisation skills. She then went to San Diego University, where she majored in drama and graduated in 1971. In 1974, she got her first professional job playing Brenda Morgenstern, the sister of Rhoda Morgenstern, in the Valerie Harper-led comedy Rhoda, which Valerie was a spinoff of the Mary Tyler Moore show. Valerie Harper, you just said her name. That's who played Rhoda. We're talking about who played her sister. Rhoda's sister. Brenda. Brenda. Yes, because she was nominated for playing this role four times for Best Supporting Actress uh, in a Comedy Emmy, Emmy, and she won in 1978. What was the character's name? Brenda Morgenstern. Brenda Morgenstern. Yep. I'll tell you some more about her. Oh, I bet. I can't wait. In 1986, her career was rejuvenated when she appeared in the 1986 Woody Allen film, Hannah and Her Sisters. She also appeared in several other Woody Allen films, including Radio Days, New York Stories, Alice, Shadows and Fog, 
and deconstructing Harry. Okay, stop for a second. Uh-huh. I must make a confession at this point. You okay. pushed me back against the wall. Okay. I'm not so much with the Woody Allen. Okay. Do you know what I mean? So, like, I don't... <laughs> Everything you just said means I, I have absolutely no reference. I, I well, maybe the, the next, the maybe then what I will tell you next about her will ring a bell. Okay. In 1987, she was cast in the Trace, Tracy Ullman show, and for which she received four Emmy nominations for Best Individual Performance in a Variety or Music pro- Program. And she's a voice in The Simpsons. Yes, she is, because during that time, she voiced a character in a series of animated shorts called The Simpsons. You're and just going to stick to that script, even if you're yep. such a fucking... Yes, I am. She voiced Marge Simpson, as well as Marge's sisters, Patty and Selma Bouvier, and Marge's mother, Jacqueline Bouvier. I love that, that Bouvier. And she won the 1993 Emmy Award for Outstanding VoiceOver Performance for her work on The Simpsons. Yeah. You don't know her name, though, right? No, no I'm... I, I, no, I don't know her name. Her name is Julie Kavner. Julie Kavner. Yes. Yeah, I love her. <laughs> you love her, but you don't know her name. That's the the, the actress goal. <laughs> yeah, she. I. Uh, you know, I love her. I admire. I when I say I love her, I mean I, what she does. I admire her work. I like. Yeah, she's, you know, she's distinctive, and yet she can still be. She can go outside a box. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she's not like within. You know, she has range. Yeah, but she does the Bouvier women uh, a great service. Yes, she does. <laughs> Especially, I love the sisters. Those are great. Yeah, love the sisters. So to Julie Kavner, we say. And for our last birthday celebrant, she was born in Akron, Ohio on September 7th, 1951. As a teenager, she was primarily interested in seeing rock bands. From 1970 to 1973, she attended Kent State University Art School, where the boyfriend of one of her friends was one of the four victims of the 1970 Kent State Massacre. I'm sorry. Explain the relationship again. She attended Kent State University Art School. To the dead guy. And then the boyfriend of one of her friends. Okay, hold on. The bo- Her friend's boyfriend. Yep, was a, one of the four victims in the Kent State Massacre. Okay, her friend's boyfriend died in the Kent State Massacre. Yes. Okay, got it. In 1973, she moved to London and got a job at music magazine New Musical Express, or known as NME. She later got a job at Malcolm McLaren and Vivian Westwood's clothing store, Sex. She unsuccessfully tried starting bands with other musicians who later became known in the punk new wave music scene, including Mick Jones of The Clash. She finally formed her own band in 1978 that was called The Pretenders. It's Chrissy Hines. It's Chrissy Hines. I was wondering how long that would take. Their first single was a cover of the King song Stop Your Sobbing and went to number 33. Their first number one hit was Brass in Pocket. The band has released uh, over 11 albums between 1979 and 2020, and she's released uh, three solo albums in the past 10 years. Oh, today's her birthday, right? Today's her birthday. Yeah, good for her. She has a daughter, Natalie, that she had with Ray Davies of the Kinks. She then married Jim Kerr, who was the lead singer of the band Simple Minds in 1984. And they had a daughter together, and they divorced in 1990. And then she married a sculptor named Lucho Brieva in 1997. Because of course she did. And they divorced in 2002. Did you know she's a follower of Vaishnavism? which is a branch of Hinduism. I was wondering when I was going to meet somebody else who was a follower of... Vaishnavism. Vaishnavism. Because <laughs> if somebody worked, like, 
uh, I think the sister of somebody's boyfriend at work um, uh, is a Vaishnavish. <laughs> Did I say that right? Vaishnavik? <laughs> Vaishnavik, okay. Sorry. Interesting, you know, it's a small world. People. But yes, yeah, so she is what, 71 years old today. Chrissy Hind? Yep. Uh, Can you imagine seem, that? Doesn't seem right. So to Chrissy Hind, we say. <laughs> Happy birthday, Chrissy Hind. Is she a grandma? <laughs> I don't know. Probably by now. She's 70. Her kids have to be. Like, yeah, because her kids were born in the 80s. In so. the 80s. So they're procreating age. Yeah, definitely. That's what it sounds like. Grandma Chrissy, could you imagine? I know. Could you imagine? No. <laughs> Not at all. Me either. I like to. Yeah, that's crazy. Yep. Grandma Chrissy. So anyway, that's it for today's birthdays. That's sad. Ordinarily, we would go into Bring Out Your Dead, but no one really famous or known died this week. That's so inconvenient. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, please schedule at least one death a week there, God, for us. Somebody had to die this week. Some writer named Barbara Ehrenreich, who I was not familiar with. All right, well, maybe somebody might be Somebody might have been, but... Barbara Ehrenreich? I never heard of her before. Which okay. is probably my own ignorance. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who she is either. But, but that's okay, because we're going to move on to our next segment. Today in History. Oh, you didn't like the way I cut it off? It was too fast. It was oh, too abrupt. I'm sorry. You got to catch that second in between. It's very hard to do. Uh, <laughs> why do you think sound people make a ton of money? <laughs> Anyway, today, September 7th in the year 1876, the Great Northfield, Minnesota bank robbery occurred. Put me somewhere in 1986. No. This is 1876. What's going on in the world? What's happening? Well, we're in Minnesota right now. It's after the Civil War. After the Civil War. Okay. And during the Civil War, there were several men who were guerrilla fighters. Okay. They would fight. They fought under a man named Cantrell. They were known as Cantrell's Raiders. You know, I'm picturing men in uniform bat, uh, fighting literal guerrillas. Yeah. Right? Well, uh, yeah. among those uh, former guerrillas was uh, Jesse James and his brother Frank James and a man named Cole Younger. Frank was always so much nicer than Jesse. <laughs> was he? Yeah, he was just. <laughs> I guess it was God bless you. I guess it was that whole thing about um, you know, being the younger brother. Yeah, whatever. Okay, it's another time. But anyway, they formed a gang together that consisted of the James brothers, Cole, and his two other brothers, Jim and Bob Younger, Charlie Pitts. Clell Miller and Bill Chadwell. And they picked this bank because there was a rumor about this bank that there was a $50,000 deposit there by a local mill owner. Uh-oh. That would be the equivalent of $1.4 million today. Okay. And then all these people who together sound like a jug band, <laughs> they're going to go out and, and steal this money. Yep. So what happened was, on the day of the robbery, they dined at a local restaurant on fried eggs. Then at around 2 p.m., they went to the bank. Why do we know they had eggs? Because we know this. It's so unnecessary. (laughs) They went out and had breakfast, and then about 10 o'clock, they went and did that. That's That's what I need to know. And they were a little greasy on one side, but the other side was cooked. Cole sent his back. Yeah. (laughs) Clem wanted sausage instead of bacon. Took an extra 10 minutes. No. Okay, I'm sorry. 
Anyway, three of them went inside the bank, two of them stood guard outside the bank, and three were guarding the escape route through the town square. But according to legend, a man named J.S. Allen, who was on the street, realized what was happening and yelled out, Get your guns, boys! They're robbing the bank! Oh, shit. And that's what the townspeople did. They went and got their guns, and before you know it, a gunfight broke out in front of the bank. Wow. And they didn't make out with a lot of money from the bank. Basically, a shitload of nickels, from what I read. Clell Miller and Bill Chadwell were killed at the scene. All the gang members were wounded. The only civilians killed were the assistant cashier at the bank, who refused to open the safe, and a, a Swedish immigrant on the street who was ca ca caught in the crossfire. And then the gang was pursued by posses, so the gang split up, but then gang member Charlie Pitts died during that pursuit. The three younger brothers were eventually captured, and they pleaded guilty to murder to avoid execution. But the James brothers escaped and eventually ended up in Tennessee, where they lived peacefully for three years, and then they resumed robbing again. <laughs> All right, well, yeah, three years is a long time to go with that. You gotta go make some money now. Yep, but as a result now, the events have become the basis of an annual outdoor festival called the Defeat of Jesse James Days. And it's held the weekend after Labor Day. It's among the largest outdoor celebrations in Minnesota, where witnesses go to visit reenactments of the robbery. It's freezing cold in Minnesota all the time. <laughs> outdoor activities. <laughs> so what, they reenact the, re the gunfight? Yep. Okay. Yeah. That sounds like fun. Sounds like fun. Good time for the family. Good, good. Yeah, yeah. This is good wholesome. <laughs> also then today in history, on September 7th, 1981, Larry Kramer and two friends of his put up a banner at the Pines Dock that said, Give to Gay Cancer. They raised $124. That was the beginning of Kramer raising money and eventually leading to the gay men's health crisis. That's a play I'd like to see staged. What, the, uh, the normal is. heart? Oh, as is. That's not his play, though. No, but it's about him. As is? I don't think it's about him. Isn't it? No. What could, what's the other one it could be? There's uh, The Night Larry Kramer Kissed no, Me no, or something? No, no. Oh, God. There's his play, The Normal Heart, which is autobiographical. It may be The Normal Heart. That's what I think you're talking That's about. That's what I think I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah, that, was, that, was not, that. that was not on Broadway not too long ago. I've never, I, I, I've never seen it stage. We're talking about like... Oh, okay. I saw, I saw a local production of it, okay. actually. It was very good. Very good play. Yeah. I remember that as a kid. But that was the start. It only made $124 all on right. that day in the Pines. And they hated him. Of course. They hated him for what he was doing. Well, they also hated him for his book, Faggots, that he wrote, too. <laughs> right. I mean, he didn't go in the really popular. He ha already had a reputation as being a loud mouth. Oh, what is he going on about now? Yeah. That kind of presence. Yep. Yes, he did. Yeah. And God bless him for it. Yeah. I mean, in this particular case, it was uh, essential. Could you yeah. imagine? That's a good play, too. Life life Without Larry Kramer. I don't know that play. Uh, it's, we haven't written it yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, take Larry Kramer out of the equation and what happens to the world without that contribution? You know, you have no gay men's health crisis. You have no act up. Or you may have them in later incarnations of different kinds, I'm but talking probably much, much later. Much bigger. How much more massive AIDS had the potential to be without that one squeaky voice who eventually got somebody else's squeaky voice and together they made squeaky voices and then you know what I mean they, yep. they got the money and the shit that they needed because they were squeaky voices if you take him out of the equation what happens to the world and everything that resulted from his contribution I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. We don't know. We haven't written it yet. That's what I'm saying. We don't know, but it's a good idea. 
Like, take somebody out of the world. What, what happens without them? I don't know. Wait, there's a Christmas movie about that. Yes, there is. It's called It's a Wonderful Life. Never mind. <laughs> Fucking Clarence. I think we'll move on to our next segment. What day is it? Could you please tell me? What day is it? I've got bills to say. Yes, it's What Day Is It? <sighs> what day is it? Such an existential question. <laughs> What day is it? I'll tell you what day it is. Does anybody really know what time it is? <laughs> Thank you, Chicago. Does anybody really care? I mean, for real. <laughs> I'll tell you what day it is, though. It's all just made up. We all just agree to, like, and then talk about your indoctrination right there. Teach them, you know, this is how we do things. This is what time it is. This is, yeah, I mean, you're feeling very cynical tonight, aren't you? I kind of am. Wow. kind of am. Kind of a bummer. Turn to bitter. Really? Yeah, Ooh, bitter. Today is neither snow nor rain day. Do you want to know why it's neither snow nor rain day? About as much as I want to go back to algebra class. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you anyway. Because I knew you would. It commemorates the opening of the U.S. Post Office building in Manhattan on September 7th, 1914. What was it called? In and out day? No, neither snow nor rain day. Have because you not invented sleep yet? Oh well, above the entrance to the central post office is the inscription that reads: "Neither snow nor rain nor heat nor gloom of night stays these couriers from the swift completion of their appointed rounds." Yeah, I'm familiar. I thought they was mention of sleep, so it's been a while since I looked it up. So that's I, that's the actual quote: uh, "Heat." Instead of sleep, you can understand how I, you know, <laughs> got that confused a couple of times. The building is officially known as the James A. Farley Building, and is named after the Postmaster General from 1933 to 1940. When they put that building up? The building was uh, opened on September 7th, 1914, but then it was named huh. after him after, you know, named after this guy afterwards. What was, like, around that building? It's right, be other... it's basically right behind, or it's west of Penn Station in okay. Madison Square Garden. It's located on 8th, between 8th and 9th Avenue, between 31st and 33rd Street. The center of fucking Midtown. If you ever seen this building with all these long Corinthian columns, that's the post office building, or the James A. Farley building. Okay. That building now houses the, the... library is right there, too. The New York... No, no it must it, When you come out of Penn Station and go down to... Uh, turn, go down to 8th, 33rd and 8th, that, what is that? That's the library. No, that's not the library. That's the building we're talking about. The post office. Yes. Okay, I knew it was municipal. But it's no longer a, used as a post office building. It's now uh, the home of the Patrick Moynihan Train Hall. Sounds like... an additional train station, basically, okay. connecting to Penn Station. Okay. And also, the office space in the building was leased to Facebook in 2020. Okay. So that's the story of the James A. Farley building and neither snow nor rain day. I don't think you're right. You don't think I'm right? I don't think you're right. About what don't what you think building, I'm right about? What that building behind Penn Station is, it's Penn Station is between 7th and 8th? Yes. This and is this on 8th? Yes, this building is between... This building is between 8th and 9th, between 31st and 33rd. It has the lions out in front of it. Yep. That's not the library. That's not the library. It's the post office. That's the post office building. But now the home of the Moynihan Train Hall. Okay, so they're going to make it a train station. Yes. Which does. And office space now, which and is being released by yeah, Facebook. Yeah, 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 because Facebook needs someplace to shit from me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's the story of Neither Snow Nor Rain Day. No heat, no dark of night will deter, will, will stop.
stop, slow down. Neither snow nor rain nor heat nor gloom of night stays these these couriers from the swift completion of their appointed rounds. Stays, stays these couriers. Yes. Stays these couriers from their appointed rounds. Yes. From the swift fulfillment of their appointed rounds. Yes. Well, if you want to add that, go right ahead. No, it's there. It's the swift completion of their appointed rounds. Okay. Are we done talking about this now? I don't know. You have a script in your I know, but you keep on bringing up and talking about it. Because I have a wine glass in mine. Ah, of course. In that case, then, we're going to turn your head and cough. (laughs) Thank you. And tonight, it's kind of a court case we're talking about, but it involves health care. Today, a federal judge in Texas ruled that the U.S. Affordable Care's Act's requirement that insurance plans cover HIV pre-exposure prophylaxis or PrEP at no cost to patients is unconstitutional on religious grounds. A group of business owners sued the government, arguing that the free PrEP requirement, as well as free coverage requirements for contraception and the HPV vaccine, made them, quote, complicit in facilitating homosexual behavior, drug use, and sexual activity outside of marriage between one man and one woman, close quote, which is contrary to their religious beliefs. Hold on for a second. Okay. I just had a handle on the thought process. It's... It doesn't matter that what you're doing is is treating the symptoms of the behavior. You're blaming the treatment that... You're blaming the behavior. On the treatment itself. Yeah. The fact that we know it exists, and because it exists, we don't want to pay for it. Because it promotes it in other people. I mean, PrEP is not just used by gay people. It's used by other people, I assume, who are engaging in sexual activity who wish to avoid exposure to the HIV virus. And it, it, it is prescribed by a legal doctor in a legal way, in a legal place. It's nobody's business what the fucking drug is for. You would think. So, yeah, this is exactly what it is. It's on its face. It's, it's. I mean, it's where it's... Well, it came before this judge well, I'm and... sorry, where was the money coming from? There was This was an insurance company who sued saying, we don't want to provide... No, no, these were business owners, so-called Christian business owners. Okay, so hold on. Private business owners who were suing who? The government. Yeah, because of the Obamacare Act requiring these insurance plans to cover... Prep, uh, so these guys, these guys weren't. And these guys are saying, well, we don't want any plans that make those medications or vaccines or contraception okay, available. Okay, hold on. This is contrary to our religious beliefs. But the though the religious beliefs of these business guys, they they were not connected to the insurance industry in any way. They were just policyholders who said we don't like the fact that the. But it's a business is- saying. I don't want to have to take this plan because it's it's making me it's 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 allowing coverage for medications for behaviors that I we don't approve. I understand that. I understand. Okay, then what's your question or point? My question or my point was: See, you're so obnoxious. <laughs> I'm so obnoxious. No, wait, no, because I was on this one. Go back, go back a line. I knew what was going on here. What do you want me to go back to? What are we talking about? Oh, my 
What's the topic? No, seriously, come on. See, the longer you wait, the further away it goes. My God. I don't even know what the topic is now, let alone what we were actually talking about. Insurance plans. Oh, so these two guys who are suing the government, they don't like it, and they're not part of the insurance. They're just these policyholders. They say, we don't. So my question is, why doesn't the free market just say they go buy it somewhere else? I don't know. But I guess the government is saying these plans are available, and these plans all have these, they have the prep treatment available, at no cost to the patient, have contraception available, no cost to the patient, have the HPV vaccine available, no cost to the patient. How many times are you going to bang the head of that nail? Because you keep bringing up what what are they covering and why, and I'm trying to tell you. No, I'm not asking what they're covering. I understand what they're covering. I, what I want to know is why these two guys don't just go fuck themselves and go find a, Maybe it's an economic issue. Is the government is the government plan so much cheaper that they feel the right to have it? Why are they complaining about this? Why don't they just go to Geico? Because they're saying they're requiring... They said that because they're arguing that requiring... This them to adopt an insurance plan that covers these treatments that are contrary to their religious beliefs is a violation of their First Amendment rights. Okay. That's what they're claiming. Oh, I still understand that. Okay. Okay. But it doesn't answer my question. But you don't just, you seem to be getting a little huffy under the collar right now. And because I've been repeating myself. Yes, and not answering the question. So, so what is the definition of craziness? Putting up with you. Okay, maybe. <laughs> Maybe, but whatever. So move on. I'm trying to. Anyway, the judge rejected the challenge to the HPV vaccine mandate, has not yet ruled on the challenge to the contraceptive mandate, but said that the PrEP mandate, unconstitutional. And they said that the government did not show a compelling interest in forcing a private religious corporation to cover PrEP drugs with no cost sharing and no religious exemptions. I'm sorry. I'm still in the place that I was in when I was first confused about this. Why does it matter? Why can he not? Not just go buy insurance somewhere else. Because they're looking to chip away at Obamacare every way they can. So this is what they're doing now. That's why. I, 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 that is probably That's true. Why. I agree with you. I think it's the easy answer, the low-hanging fruit. It doesn't answer the question. I don't know then, so okay? If I, if, if, I, if I go to Jack in the Box and don't like their tacos, I can sue them, even though there's a Taco Bell across the street. I don't like these tacos. You can't make me eat those tacos, so I'm going to sue you. Why are you making me eat the... Oh, yeah, I see the Taco Bell. Patrick, that's what it sounds like to me, okay? So I'm wondering why we just don't tell these people to go fuck themselves and go use the fucking place across the street. Because our federal judiciary system keeps showing deference to all these religious people who are bringing these First Amendment violation claims. That's why. That was very patient of you. I know. I hate patient. (laughs) You don't like me mean. You don't like me patience. How would you prefer me? Right now? Don't say in a box. (laughs) Toes up. Who's next? Anyway, we're now going to move on to our next segment, wherein we take a look into my briefs. Because that last segment was hard, wasn't horrifying enough. Now you're gonna bring 
a legal style. Okay, well, this is an interesting one. This just occurred, what, yesterday? A New Mexico State District Court judge disqualified County Commissioner Cooey Griffin from holding public office for engaging in insurrection at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. I heard about this. It permanently bars Griffin from running for any federal or local public office. Griffin was arrested on January 17th for his role in the insurrection. Uh, he was convicted in March of entering and remaining on restricted grounds, but acquitted of disorderly conduct. He was sentenced to 14 days in jail and a $3,000 fine. Such bullshit charges. Well, this is what he all did. This is one of the, First, he was on a... Uh, while on a Stop the Steal bus tour, he inflamed Trump supporters across the country to join what he called the war in Washington. It also noted that Griffin brought firearms and ammunition with him on his way to the nation's capital. From where? Uh, I guess from his home, wherever that is. I'm not really sure. Are you allowed to cross certain borders with I stuff? don't know. Okay. Griffin was also filmed scaling the Capitol's walls after okay. seeing the mob push past security barriers. And once he reached the inaugural stage, he used a bullhorn to lead the group in prayer and give a speech promoting the attack. Well, that's it. Stop the prayer. He is absolved. He is forgiven. He is... There is no... There, and if God is not going to hold it against him, nor should man. Well, it, it, it goes on because the day after the insurrection, he was recorded in a video celebrating the violence that occurred at the Capitol, uh, mentioning a potential Second Amendment rally at the Biden inauguration that would include, quote, blood running out of that building. He also told other counties commission officials at a meeting in January 14th that he planned to take a rifle and revolver when he returned to Washington. So the judge said that, yeah, Mr. Griffin aided the insurrection even though he did not personally engage in violence. By joining the mob and trespassing on restricted capital grounds, Mr. Griffin contributed to delaying election certification proceedings. Wow, that's such a bullshit charge. But that's all I guess you could do because you can't check. Uh, well, what's what's notable back in the olden days they hang you. What's notable about this is that this is the first time that a judge has officially stated that a person is being barred from office for engaging in an insurrection against the United States ever in the history. This hasn't happened since 1869. What happened then? They were barring Confederates from running from office back uh, then. Oh, the Confederates. Right. And I said, I said, this is the first time it's ruled the attack that they ruled the attack on the Capitol was an insurrection. Officially in judge records. Yep. First time. First ever. time. What's her name? Um, I don't know if it gives the judge's name. Judith or not. somebody. Matthews is the last name. I don't see the first name. I think it was Judith. No, you will be wrong. It's Francis. Francis. Francis <laughs> Matthews. Francis Matthews. Francis. How am I good for you, Francis? And yeah. Thank you for that because uh, that's going to come in handy. Yes, it is. Or it's not. It depends on what kind of fucking lawsuit. Well, let's say it's a it's about time that these cases started going before the courts and the courts start calling this shit out for what it is, you know. It's, and that's why they need to start charging other people soon. The law is ripped down. It is what it is. It says what it says. You argue about the particulars, about the boundaries, but the law is what it is, and that action is what it is. And we're either going to follow that law or we're going to say we're going to follow the law and then not and make the world exactly the way we want it, which is a white Christian paradise. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's pretty much what it sounds like. All right, so that's the two options. Okay. <laughs> 
Oh my god, it's just it's just it's a, it's amazing. It is and it's blatant and it's I've been saying it for so long, I can't but who's the grown up? Who's gonna come in and say you can't behave like that? Who's gonna smack the hand away and say, put that down? It looks like who's it, gonna it, do that? Right now it looks like judges are gonna be the ones to do it, but God knows how many are actually going to do it. You I know? want it to be Merrick Garland. Well, he's not a judge anymore, but that's a whole other no, issue. No, 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 no. I want the credit to go to Merrick Garland. Oh, I want, okay. I want Merrick Garland to win victoriously. Well, let's see what happens after the elections in November. Let's see who's arrested or indicted. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, like we're, we're, And then we'll see about giving credit where credit's due. Okay. Okay. I believe in Merrick Garland. I'm glad you believe in Merrick Garland. You don't believe in Merrick Garland? I'm being patient with Merrick Garland. Okay. It's been two years since this, almost two years now, since this insurrection happened. He, who? It's ridiculous. In any other country in the world, shit would have gone down already. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Do the Supreme Court justices normally reflect the people who appointed them? Yes. Okay. President... Obama, who was on television today with Michelle, adorable, both of them, uh-huh. chef kiss, uh, Obama appointed him. So as a reflection of Obama. O- appointed who? Merrick Garland. No, he did not. He nominated him for Supreme Court Justice. And it was blocked by, Mitch, by, by the Turtle. Yes. yes. Okay. So then Biden nominated him to head the Justice he, the, the point is... Who put him up for the job? So it was Obama. If the, if the if the justice themselves can represent the person who appointed them, then Merrick Garland represents and and reflects Barack Obama. Who let's not forget, you bitch, is a uh, professor. Yes, but I don't know if that's necessarily true that he's a reflection of Obama's judicial philosophy. Merrick Garland, I think, was a compromise candidate to get Republicans on board with voting for it, but none took the bait. That's my response to you. (laughs) (laughs) You know what that sound means? It's time for the Week in Fascism. I want to make sure I didn't cut it off too abruptly for you. You cut it off abruptly. <laughs> Do you understand what I mean by abrupt? It's when it goes from that really loud thing to absolute silence with no like, out of rhythm or out of sync or you know. It's uh, ah. next time then I'm gonna let the whole thing play out. Completely. I don't want you. That's not the then point. shut the fuck up and stop complaining about it. I'm Jesus not, Christ! I'm, I'm drowning here looking for time. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna fucking drown you, all right. Anyway, for the week in fascism, we're taking a look at school board. Elections. Take a look in the mirror. School board elections. Yes. Yes. I don't know if you heard. Rampage with fascists. Well, first in Florida, Governor DeSantis, he endorsed 30 candidates in school board elections. Of those 30, 19 won outright and six are headed to runoffs. But as re- And as a result of his involvement, three school districts that have a liberal majority now have a conservative majority. This is what happens. This is how it spreads. The judiciary. You smoke. Small town, you guy counting the votes. We're not, this is not the judiciary. We're talking about school boards. I'm, so I'm talking about fascism and how how right, le- but can we focus on what we're talking about right sure, now? Sure, I'm sorry you couldn't follow that simple line of thinking. You jump from school board elections to the 
judiciary. For somebody who likes we just and finished Irish discussing poetry, the you judiciary. Have a really, no, no, we didn't. Yes, we did. We moved on to this topic for Christ's sake. You have a very short grasp of what imagery is and what <sighs> what what. Uh, yeah, you do. You do, and you're very impatient. Friends and colleagues must be telling you that for years. Are you done? I'm done. Anyway, besides Florida, in Texas, even more is happening there. There's a cell phone service provider that bills itself as America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. Good for them. Calls itself Patriot Mobile. All right. They have a political action committee called Patriot Mobile Action. Okay, so here's my thing. You got a religious thing. Why not call it Jesus Jesus International or or like the the Ark International? Why you got to use Patriot? That's what they do. It's insidious. Patriot. I would go for Patriot. I would click on Patriot. Then I would find out. I, you know, I, I don't know what. I, I can't eat lobster. I don't know what. The fuck. Go ahead. Anyway, this company or its political action committee was the financial force behind the election of 11 new school board members in four North Texas school districts. In one of those districts, they, after the election was held, I guess, they passed a new set of conservative policies that's been dubbed Don't Say Trans. They include prohibitions on teachers discussing anything related to critical race theory or gender fluidity. And the company has made it clear that it wants to spread out to other co- counties in the state, and then to other states, and then across the nation. Good for them. Because basically they, they're being told that school boards are the, the way to go now. Yeah, it is. That yeah. this is basically that, that you should be working from the bottom up. Who's the elected guy you that lives closest to you? Do you know what I'm saying? Is it your town supervisor? Is it your board of electors? Is it, who's the guy who lives closest to you that can effect when your garbage is picked up. That's the guy they want to be. Right. Well, they already have political things for those. School board races are generally non-partisan races. Political parties generally have not been involved in school board races because they're local races. Okay, so then forgive me for my ignorance, but why is this in a category called fascism? Because it's about these groups now and politicians, national politicians getting involved in these local races. And for instance, this Patriot Mobile Action, what they did was they hired two Republican consulting firms that helped them target the school board races. The political action committee spent more than $600,000 on getting these 11 candidates elected. And they also sent out political mailers warning that the sitting school board members were endangering students with woke ideologies. And one ad featured a picture of a photo of a, a photo of a child with the words, they're not after you, they're after me. Yeah. My kid's in danger. And then recently, and this is how this group came to my attention, it seems that in Texas, a law passed here in 2021 that any public school in Texas must display signs with the words, in God we trust, if they are privately donated. So Patriot Mobile then went and donated a whole bunch of these Frame posters with that motto above the American flag. And now they are mandatory to be displayed in the schools. All right, so that's graft, and that's, you know, the one hand... It's like you're, you're complaining about woke ideology, but our ideology's okay. Well, yes, Patrick, you sound surprised by that. Why are you so outraged by that commonplace behavior? The it's, question is, why aren't more people outraged by it? Uh, okay, okay. That's now you're talking like a community organizer. Oh, please.
please. Well, I'm saying what, what outside of the simple act of going and voting, what other option is there? The, the, the next option for you to really affect any kind of change, aside from your outrage, is to go put yourself on a ballot. Who was it that said all politics is local? Um, that was Tip O'Neill. It's true. Tip O'Neill was a former Speaker of the House for many years in the late 20th century. For, for those, those who don't know, who are, okay. there are plenty of people out there who have no idea who Tip O'Neill is. Fine. They, could, they, they're, they are the people of Google. <laughs> See, we could have answered any number of contentious questions tonight by using Google, but we didn't. Why? Be A, because you're sitting in front of the computer, and B, because we're old. Okay, so, so the young people can Google who Tip O'Neill is. We don't need to spend this time. Oh, okay. What I'm saying is he was right. And all theater is local, too. <laughs> it, it is uh, a community thing. And and the lower down you go into the community, the lower down, I'm saying the lower down, you start at the president, you go to the senator, you go to whatever, and you work your way down to school board member. And these are the elected or appointed or or public agents. Uh, and they're our first contact with the government, unless it's the police, okay? But your first connection to government really is the guy across the street, Larry's on the school board. That's who your connection to government is. Right. They know that if they get Larry, they can control the neighborhood. They can control the books. I think we're going to move on to our next segment. We're watching you, watching you, watching you, watching you. Yes, it's time for We Like to Watch. Yeah. yeah. What did you watch this week, Thomas? Okay, so I watched this thing that was really cool. It was... It was not RuPaul related? Um, no, I watched all the RuPaul. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> if you're expecting me to say RuPaul... Well, you usually always open with RuPaul. It's because it's what I can remember that I watched. Okay. But now I know that I can go like into my... Netflix queue. I can go to any of them. Netflix or Hulu or whatever. It's uh, the other one. Amazon. And look at my queue. What am I watching? I'll tell you right now, according to Netflix. And believe me, Netflix keeps better records than I do. I'm so, sure. Uh, continue watching uh, I Am a Killer, which is people coming up and, and, and like looking dead in the camera and saying, yeah. And yeah, we, is, we watch like one episode. Yeah, that, I always find shit like and, that interesting. Uh, so I was just at, at about it. There was this thing about New York and it was it was on. I put my phone down and I'm stopping to uh, stop looking so I can speak. It was on not one of my regular channels, so not like wow. It was on like it was about New York and and it was how steam the steam okay all right uh, what it is how it works who they are that kind of thing steam where it is okay so you follow steam okay. one episode was rats okay okay they got people they got vigilante gangs of people who own dogs in New York that hunt rats. Okay. Late at night. What's the name of the show? Something New York. Inside New York. Deep New York. Secrets of New York. So, um, <laughs> if you want to take the second, I'll happily look. Well, what? why the fuck not? Because you can always edit this. You exactly. Know? You need something to do tomorrow. New York City find. Revealed. Ah, that's the name of it. It is on Hulu. On I Hulu. found it on Hulu. Okay. The, my next episode coming up is Trash. Now, I have to say, the idea of watching something about, including something 45 minutes, about, uh, about Trash in New York City. Yes. I really don't need to watch. I have better ways to spend that 45 minutes. I'm sure you do. But I had this I had the same realization about the steam and the rats. Okay. But I watched them back to back because it was really, really good. Okay. <laughs> it was like I, I so I'm that's what I've been watching. I watched some of that. I watched some uh, I'm a killer. Um Okay. 
That yeah. was it. We're going to play a steady stream of news. Would you like to hear what I watched this past week? I want to give you two guesses at the answer to that. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you then. First, we made Bryce watch an old movie which we didn't realize he had never seen before. And that movie was Taxi Driver oh, with Robert God. De Niro. And he had never seen it before and he loved it. It's such a good movie. It is a good I've forgotten how the beginning, it's a little, it's sort of slow paced in the beginning. Right. Because it's just this slow build up to what happens later on in the movie. Yeah. But just just watching De Niro in this, he's amazing. He this. is amazing. And the he whole really fucking, is. The whole thing is a close up on De Niro. Yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, it's just. <laughs> It's yeah, it's a character study of him. It's, yeah, it you totally know? is. Uh, it's a great movie. Who directed that? Martin Scorsese. Martin Scorsese. Yeah, that was one of De Niro's first movies. One of his very first ones. Well, yeah, it was the movie like De Niro or the Taxi Driver. Taxi Driver. You know, that's how that's how associated with uh, the movie he is. Well, even because like, even before that, he was in the Scorsese film uh, Mean Streets. Right. And then they made Taxi this Driver made after this. Then, yep. This, uh, this was a, this was it was like a love letter to him the way they photographed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just him on close-up so much. Beautiful throughout. And right? his experiences as he drives a cab through New York and gets involved with... God. And Jodie Foster as a, a teenage, teenage prostitute. prostitute. It's like, Jesus. Yeah, good. Yeah. And did he... Uh, uh, Bryce liked it? Yeah, he really did. He, was, really, he, was, really, he was very impressed by it. Yeah, okay. Really Been was. for 40 fucking years. He's impressed. <laughs> I'm sure Scott says he's wiping his brow in relief. <laughs> Bryce or oh Bryce like my film I can can sleep easy tonight now I think I'll celebrate with (laughs) pie Then we watched two episodes of a new series on Hulu called The Patient. Oh. Starring Steve Carell. Go ahead. Tell your story. It's the story of this psychiatrist who begins treating this new patient who ends up kidnapping him and tells him that he's a serial killer. And about to kill again. <laughs> yes, and he's, he wants the psychiatrist to help prevent him from following through on his compulsion to kill. Exactly. And he can't be released because... Yes, he's changed. He's literally chained Chained to the floor. Right, okay. What did you think? I liked it so far. I liked it. When we first started watching, it seems like Steve Carell is in this, you know, because he does old comedy all the time. Right, right, right. But But he does do serious stuff too, and and he's good in this, I thought, you know? Robin Williams Williams is the same thing. I mean, if you wore a beard, he was a serious role. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And that's Steve Carell in here. He has a beard. Does he? Yes. He has a beard. Try to hide his face. I tell you what, I hated it. I wanted so badly to. You didn't watch like it. it? I, I, you, you know, I wanted to like it. Okay, why didn't you like it? Uh, Steve Carell. Really? That first, that first, like, uh, I don't know what they call it. Saturday Night Live calls it a cold open because they do it live, I think. Okay, but it's that opening that comes. Well, right, it opens of him in the bed. Him in the bed, waking up. That whole fucking discovering he's changed. That whole sequence. Yep. I had to stop myself from turning it off. It was awful and awful and awful and awful. It was just, he was so bad all of the time. Everything he did, because he went back and forth and he screamed and he cried and he sat and he didn't. Yeah. I wanted to gouge my eyes out. It was like a grapefruit spoon. Okay. I don't know why you had that adverse reaction. I don't myself. I, I, to be perfectly honest, I don't. I can't explain my aversion, my complete, absolute aversion to Kevin Bacon. Okay. Kevin they, Bacon wasn't in this. I'm just saying. I don't know why I had this reaction to him. Okay. Uh, 
Similarly, I have a reaction to Kevin Bacon. Like okay. Most people have that one star that they just hate. Okay. To who's yours? Ethan Hawke. Oh, good one. <laughs> good one. Ever since he broke Uma's heart, I've hated him. Oh, I don't care what they do. I like and plus, him. I think he's a pretentious. Well, that's not true. That's a whole other story. It's Chevy Chase. <laughs> I, I, he's a dick. I can't. He's I a dick. Can't. I can tolerate him, but he's a dick. I, so Kevin, so 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 Frost Nixon. It plays on Broadway. It's a huge hit. Okay. When I take these left hand turns, you have to trust me. And if you respond like you don't, I get distracted. You have my full attention. Okay. We were talking about Kevin Bacon. Yes. Um. Uh, left hand turn. I'm going backwards. Uh. What were we talking about, Kevin? Okay. So Frost Nixon. Frost Nixon <laughs> yes. is on Broadway, and yeah. they're gonna film Frost Nixon with the original Broadway people. Yes. Okay. I maintain I can't go to a movie sit down without me seeing Kevin Bacon. Okay. okay? I this movie there's not gonna be any Kevin Bacon. This one is safe as it has been. First name shows up Kevin Bacon. <laughs> So now you won't go see it. I saw it. I sang. I paid for the fucking movie. You know, I saw it. Couldn't. I, it was to me unwatchable. Um, because of Kevin Bacon. Uh, there's a couple of people I have there. Chevy Chase is one. <coughs> Do you have any others? Any old school like? <coughs> no, I can think of just Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke. That's a good one. <coughs> yeah, I thought so. Yeah, that's a good one. I thought so. Yeah. <laughs> I discovered something that I want to watch. Okay. I love these. It's about this singer named Joe Bryath. Joe Bryath. J-O-B-R-I-A-T-H. Joe Bryath. He was the first openly gay rock singer to be signed to a major label. Where was he from? I don't recall where he was from. Who was the label? Electro Records. Okay. And when? This is back in 1973. No. And he recorded the album, they released it, but they kind of like overhyped him. They were comparing him to David because he was a glam rocker, basically. Okay. And they were comparing him to Bowie, and his manager went on his advertising blitz all over the city oh. where he's on billboards, on bus sides, he's all over the place. How was the music? Well, the record comes out, and of course, it didn't live up to the hype. Okay, it never does. So, he released like one more record, but Electro didn't really do anything to promote it. So, he ends up retiring from the music industry. And says. why are we talking about it? Well, because he was, like I said, he was the first openly. I brought him up because I just dis I discovered him while I was researching other stuff. Okay. And what I discovered about him was after he left the rock music industry, okay. he moved into this apartment on the very top of the Chelsea Hotel. You know the Chelsea Hotel in Manhattan? I do. And it's a pyramid structure, this it apartment. Is. He moved in there, and he then began a career as a cabaret singer named Cole Berlin. Okay. And he would perform at, and he would perform at this restaurant named the Covent Garden in Manhattan. All right. And in some other venues and stuff. And unfortunately, he died at in 1983, like the age of 36. Oh, my God. And I found, there's a documentary about the Chelsea Hotel that was filmed in the early 80s. Okay. And there's a whole big clip of him, which I posted on our Facebook page. I'm going to probably share it on our blog po posting as well. Of him singing a song as Cole Berlin that he wrote called Sunday Brunch. And it's like, what a great song this oh, is. Yeah. And he's talking about, oh, this is a song from a uh, show that I wrote and all this. And supposedly he wrote, I guess, a number of shows, but I guess they never were produced or they were failures or whatever. But it's like, I heard this song and I was like, oh my, what a great song this is. You know how much of that there is? And not to minimize this, but like that happens hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. How many the next Jonathan Larson's? 
yeah were there right. are there are still waiting you know like there's great fucking stuff that people yeah. are writing that nobody's ever going to hear there's great art nobody's ever going to see there's great thought no one is ever yeah. going to think about there's all of this great stuff that's available that we haven't figured out how to uh gather yeah I mean, is rock music not the greatest? It's very a dash of hallucinatory '60s with cabaret and rock music. Okay, it's not the best. But when I heard this one song he did on the piano, I was like, "Oh my god, this is great!" Well, that's and there's, unfortunately there's no other recordings of that material available anywhere. You got a songwriter sit down at the piano. You know what I mean? It, right? Uh, yeah, you. That's what the song means. So anyway, I found this documentary about him. It's called Joe Bryant A.D. It's on Tubi. So I'm going to make plans to watch it this week. Tubi? Yep, on Tubi. Isn't that like for kids? I don't know, but it's that's the channel it's on. It's the, the service provider. Tubi? It's called Tubi. I'm CBI. Lots of animation of green, wormy things. <laughs> uh, what's it called? Tubi. Tubi. T-U-B-I. I don't like it. T-U-B-I. Yeah. What's it What's it look like? What's it, what's it? I don't know offhand. I haven't. I don't use it that often. Did you ever click on the thing that that takes you to Ubi? Like, did you ever click on Ubi's uh, like maybe image? a long time ago? Okay, I'm wondering what it looks like. I'm wondering. I don't it, know of it. Is it like a stream red line across a black background? Yeah, I, 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 I couldn't describe it for you. Puppets. You know what I mean? People in big costumes. Yep. Kind of, all right. But I think I'd recommend this because, like I said, he's a forgotten gay icon in a yeah. way. You know? Aren't you know? we all? <laughs> right. Anyway, we now move on to our next segment. God, Karen, you are so. Stupid. Yes, it's time for people saying stupid things. All right, what do we got? Not a politician this week. Well, go ahead, talk about your low hanging fruit. This way, it's this week. It's. Billy Eichner. Billy Eichner. Now, he's making movies. Yes. He okay. made a movie called Bros. Bros. Supposedly the first movie with an all-queer cast and crew. No, it's not. There's all sorts of pornography with bros. That's all gay. Well, maybe, now, maybe that's not even true. I don't even no, know. No, not all. Look at me with my Nelson certainty. Anyway, Eichner was doing an interview with Variety Magazine to promote the movie. Okay. And he had this to say about it. Goes, he said, this is not an indie movie. This is not some streaming thing which feels disposable or which is like one of a million Netflix shows. I needed to appreciate that. This is a historic moment and somehow you're at the center of it. You helped create it. Who's he talking to? He's talking to Variety Magazine about himself there. So when he says you helped create it. He's talking about himself. He, he himself helped to make it. Yes. Uh, well, he made this historic moment. And, and what was the historic moment? That he made this film. With all gay guys. Yes. But at the same time was putting down a lot of the content that's on the streaming services, specifically Netflix. I cannot say I disapprove of his word disposable because a lot of it is, there is a lot, a lot of content. Yes, there a is. A lot. A lot. A lot of it's geared towards young people, of it, course. There's a, there's, I, don't, I maintain that if whatever it is, if you can type it into a search bar, you're going to get it. Yes. Um. So, I, I, you know, it's part of young people in that it is so ing ingrained in them and what will become the culture. They're the first people coming into this, like, a whole internet, whole computer, uh, what do I want to say, mindset. Okay. We're not like that. 
No, no, we're not. But anyway, some people thought that he was taking a swipe at the recent Netflix film, Fire Island. Why would... The, oh. Wait, why would he have a problem with Fire Island? Well, that's what they, people would think that he was referring to in his comments. Okay. Because it was shady. That was shady. Right. Well, anyway, the creator of the film, Fire Island, Joel Kim Booster, he, tweet, he tweeted that out... Got bullied. Well, he tweeted out about this. He wrote, Oh, woof. I've been in the desert for 10 days with no phone. He was at the uh, Burning Man Festival. Those, okay. And I'm not entirely sure what happened. But I feel like I should say, Billy was my first comedy boss, is my friend, and has supported me in countless ways in the process of making Fire Island. And ultimately, our movies have very little to do with each other. It seems like he was pretty inarticulate in his excitement about his movie getting a theatrical release, which is really fucking cool. And something I'm sure the studio and his publicist is, uh, is making him constantly talk about. God knows I said plenty of dumb shit without a publicist's help. Classy. So, yes, he was very gracious, gracious about unbelievably it. Unbelievably so. Right? Very much so. Unbelievable. And, of course, Eichner, he eventually released some kind of an apology or clarification. But Listen, who was it that that sent that response? That was Joel Kim Booster. He was the star Joel and Kim creator Booster of the Fire Island movie. And he had that response when somebody came at him. Fantastic. Well, not that somebody came no, at him. No, no, no. I simply it to my... But to everyone saying, hey, Billy Eichner's talking about your movie yeah, in this co com comment, you know? Trust that. Uh, I try to say things in less syllables than you, Okay. <laughs> For you, if you if it takes less than twelve syllables to say yes, you're doing it wrong. Affirmative. Okay. I believe that that response right there yes. will hold up in court. So I'm going to let it lie there and let you know the lawyer deal with it. Some poor public defender murder charges. But anyway, to Billy Eichner, we're glad you were forgiven, but... Stupid! You're so stupid! You're going to have to remind me what it was he said that was stupid. Do I have to repeat it? No! No! And then he got that crazy response. Yes. Okay. Okay. Because to me, that was... That... That was more about the classy response, okay, than it was about the people saying something stupid. Well, I think it was more it was more about both, you know. That that's the way you handle yeah. something like that. Okay, it was more about both. Well, it's both the stupid thing he said and the reaction. But you can't be more about both. You have to be more or le more means that less, which means it's one or the other. More. That's like winner. Just suck my dick right now, okay? That's the second Just time keep you... your mouth fucking full because you're giving me a fucking headache! That's the second time you mentioned your dick to me tonight. It may not be the last. Julie Andrews, please save me. Raindrops on roses. Whiskers on kittens, bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens, brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. Better, better. Oh, glad you approved. Better. Did you you worked on it? No, it's the same one. Okay. <laughs> it's the same exact one. Okay. But tonight it sounded better to you. Yes. <laughs> Anyway, for our five favorite things tonight... I'm a tonight, little thing, Patrick. I change from, from day to day, from hour to hour. I change from month to month. From year, I look at me. If this isn't a change from that, what I was at the, with the ass and the red hair, and uh, okay? Those things change. Things, 
Anyway, for our five favorite things, we figured it in honor of Hispanic Heritage Month, we would name our five favorite Hispanic artists. And this would include art, literature, music, the whole gamut. Who do you, who's first on your list? Desi Arnaz. Desi Arnaz! Wow! Desi Arnaz. Good choice. Yes. The father of modern television? They haven't improved on it. Nope. I love Lucy. No, he gave us a three-camera sitcom. That is the standard to this day. He did. And, um, and don't, but don't forget how his wife fought for him to be on that show in the first place. Because they no, did not want a Cuban on the show. There would be no Star Trek without there was Lucille Ball. Star oh, Trek. yes, I know. Because Lucille Ball's studio produced Star Trek. Okay. And Lucille Ball was a B actress who had kind of good legs and could maybe dance a little bit. But she was well, a good comedic actress. Well, and it was Desi who did that. Yes. Desi won. did that whole fucking thing. Yep. Desi on Okay, good choice. The I Love Lucy. They couldn't use his name in the title of the show. Okay. Desi Loves Lucy. Yep. Ricky Loves Lucy. I Love Lucy. Well, who's I? Well, I is Desi. Right. We know. So, I I just think that, um, yeah, I, I don't know why we don't know... Uh, uh, why we don't revere him more? Well, probably because he, you know, probably cheated on Lucy. And, I mean, he was a womanizing. You know, exactly. You know, that's why we stick by the woman. You know, we stick by Lucy. Uh, listen, you don't have to argue in favor of Lucy to me. Okay. <laughs> okay. Lucy's everything to me. So okay. don't even. Okay, I won't. Go ahead. My first choice on the list: Ricardo Montalban. The blade. The blade. <laughs> The man just had the smoothest delivery of anything he was saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I put, when I was looking at the list of who to put on. He was one of the last ones I put on. I went to go look at one of the old Chevrolet Cordova commercials that he would do. And we yeah. talk about the rich Corinthian leather. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's an artist who can take a word, rich Corinthian leather. Yes. And make it mean you are going to get so railed right now. <laughs> By, by and a Cordova was a huge, huge car. car. Huge oh my car. God. Huge. It looks so out of place today. Yeah, for sure. No, for sure. Oh my God, it's freaking huge. Well, not that SUVs are any smaller, but it's a totally different kind of huge. I know. I love those cars, the Lincolns. I love those big, long ass. I love them. I'm not a car guy. No. But I just, I like that big, fat American car. Like a hearse. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Exactly. <laughs> But anyway, it's funny. I never watched uh, Fantasy Island. It wasn't my kind of show to watch. But I always love Ricardo Montalban for playing Khan in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Okay, well, yeah. Probably the best Star Trek movie out of them all, hands down, without a doubt. And he was the villain in that. He was great. Email Patrick Finn at <laughs> Grumpy Old Gay Men and Their Dogs. Dot com. <laughs> Who's next on your list? Lin-Manuel Miranda. Ooh, how did I know you were going to pick him? Because this is obvious. This, <laughs> of course it's you obvious. You spoon-fed me this one. Oh, <laughs> I mean, did I? Lin-Manuel Lin -Manuel Miranda. Okay. For those of you who don't know, he's the guy who wrote Hamilton. They know. <laughs> no, he's the guy who wrote Hamilton. He wrote In the Heights. Yes. We would never have gotten... To Hamilton was there not in the Heights yes, first? Exactly, because that shit came out of a basement somewhere. Yes, and and so so in the Heights needs respect. Yes, it does. Okay, 
And yes, he wrote Hamilton, which yes. is a brilliant piece of writing yes, as far it as is. I'm concerned. Definitely. Uh, various things in what you call your Disney movies, some good, some... Uh, he did the thing with uh, the cheerleaders. Okay. The, um, the show, the, the Broadway show with the cheerleaders. It was a movie, of course, before. Uh, he, he contributed lyrics probably more hell out more than that. Yeah. Uh, he directed Tick, 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 Tick. Take Boom. Boom, which came across my... That was a good movie. I love that movie. Can't say enough good things about that movie. That movie would... They, uh, what came across my TikTok last night was um, uh, Sunday, when they're in the diner, and he opens up the walls, and there's Cheetah Rivera, and there's uh, everybody, Brian Stokes Mitchell, and the girls from Hamilton, Felipe, uh, Felipe Sue was there. With, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, Cheetah Rivera, who is my third choice, by the way. Oh, okay. You're already on your third. I'm I'm, on my yeah. second, yeah. Let me get to my second. It's the Hispanic Heritage Month, you know. <laughs> my second choice is Salma Hayek. Okay. Good actress. Really pretty. I love her, too. I think she's a really pretty actress. I One of the first things I saw her in was in a Kevin Smith movie, Dogma. And she played a muse in that movie. Okay. And she's a really good actress. She was nominated for an Oscar for playing uh, Frida Kahlo. Okay. In a film biography. Who could be another uh, Hispanic top five favorite. Yes, she were, could. Not for the unibrow. I can't get past it. I'm sorry, Frida. <laughs> And she's not the one who painted the vaginas, right? She, who painted the no, vaginas? No, that's... Uh, Dorothy Parker? Georgia O'Keeffe. Georgia O'Keeffe, of course. Yes. Of course. Lifelong partner of Henry Hudson. I love Georgia O'Keeffe, too. Yeah. I, I, yeah. But yeah. Salma Hayek, number two on my list. Okay, good for her. So, number three on your list is Cheetah Rivera. Cheetah Rivera. Okay. Do we need to do this? No, I don't think we know. I don't think we, we need, to need Everyone knows who Cheetah is. She's and, a goddess. And if you don't shame on you, you should not be listening. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, go back to your fishing show. Um, <laughs> Cheetah Rivera, and moving on. I, I mean, it's just endless what you could say. Yeah, yeah, she is. She's she's a goddess. Cheetah Rivera. Okay. okay. My number three choice, I doubt you have heard of him. His name is Robert. Roberto Aguirre Sacasa. I love him. <laughs> I do. I don't know who he is, what he does. I first read a, read his work years ago as a playwright. He read two plays that I wrote. or read, I, He wrote two plays that I read named, uh, one was called Say You Love Satan, and the other one was called Good Boys and True. Okay. He's gay. Okay. And he also be, eventually became a TV screenwriter as well. Wrote for shows like Pose, uh, Glee. Okay. Good screenwriter, good playwright. Really okay, like so him now, a lot. Now you got me sort of straddling a fence here. Okay. Because I could use an extra space. Okay. You can Well, you can add your honorable mention then after. Uh, okay. <laughs> when you get to number five, you can add on this other one as your honorable mention. Okay. Hold on. Okay. 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 I'm, okay. I'm ready to go. Who's number four for you? No, no, wait. I got three more try. I got three. I got three people ready. You, you already got three. But I have three ready. Okay. Three more ready. So I have six ready. So I'm taking six spots this week. <laughs> okay. Have it your way. There's going to be thirty seconds less of your <laughs> voice and maybe forty five more of mine. So my next one is going to be the uh, uh, Garcia Marquez, Hundred Years of Solitude. Uh, oh, okay. Okay. You just didn't get his name right. Uh, I, I never get his name right. <laughs> Alicia Ortez Catalia. I get the congresswoman from the Isn't Bronx. Isn't it Gabriel Garcia Lorca? No, no, Lorca is not. No, no. 
No. Let me see. He wrote 100 Years of Solitude, and he wrote, I think, the... Um, uh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Marquez. Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Okay. 100 Years of Solitude, right? Yes. Okay. One of those books that just sort of clearly illustrates an entirely different reality, like, like happening at the same time, is like, this is an experience that I will never have, I'll never... I'll, I'll, I don't know. I, I mean, well, I it's, one of those, it's one of those magical realism genre books, right? It is the hyper realism of the of it of you getting the feeling that it's happening as you're reading it. Okay, all right, cool. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. That could, totally sense. Okay, it's hard to describe in the peel of a book. Sometimes I understand that completely. There, yeah, there are some books I'm like, you just have to read it, and some you can't make me pick back up. Oh yeah, that's for sure. Like Atlas Shrugged, I'll use that for a doorstop. That's about it. Red badge of courage. <laughs> I could never get through that book. Yeah. Anyway, who is number? Uh, oh, actually, no, but that was number what? That was number four for that me. That was number four for you. You get number four now. Really? My number four is Ricky Martin. Oh my god! <laughs> I had to put Ricky on there. I love his music. Love him. He's just always been adorable. Oh, my God. Just hot, hot, hot. And he's adorable. The family and the kids and everything. What's not to like about him? I understand. Him? You know? Believe me when What's I tell you. What's not to like about how him? How much I understand. Believe me when I tell you. <laughs> Ricky Martin. Yeah. Yeah. Had good. to put him on there. Good one. That's a good one. I thought so, too. That's a good one. Who's number five on your list? Sophia Vagana. Oh, from uh, Modern Family. Modern Family. Good choice. Um, I like that. Yeah. Very good actress. Very smart actress. She's fantastic. She really is. Very, very good. She's fantastic. And I know... What, I mean, I've seen her in other things besides Modern Family. She's an actress. She's really, really good. She's an actress. Right? And... Yeah. But that role is so iconic. It's, it's, you know, the hot second wife. Yeah. All of those characters were absolutely two-dimensional. Uh, uh, Three-dimensional. Stereo stereotypes. They well, were not. They weren't. They, each one was a stereotype. The old man with the hot Spanish wife and the new kid. You know, the, the gay guy with the neurotic husband and the Chinese baby. The Chinese baby girl. The Chinese baby girl. Hello, there's a red flag. That is the absolute biggest stereotype about gay couples there is, is the Chinese baby girl. The psychotic sister with the... Ridiculous husband. Okay. Okay. So yeah, they're all, uh, and then the three kids. I love that show. It's a funny show. I love that show. Very she, funny show. She. Yeah. I like Sophia. Okay. I'm going with Sophia. You go with Sophia. A bitch can wear a swimsuit and a man. Her husband. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Yes, she is. She deserves nothing less. Right. Okay. Okay. My number five choice is a music group called the Buena Vista Social Club. Oh, I thought you were going to say Menudo. No, 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 please, Menudo. Are uh, you out of your mind? What's wrong with Menudo? No, nothing. They're fine. Say this now, right no, now on they're Spanish not my, Heritage They're not my type. Okay, that's it. And yes, Ricky Martin was a menudo. I already know that. It's just not my type of music. Oh, that's fair. But the Buena Vista Social Club is my type of music. Excellent. It's Cuban jazz. It's been around since like 1996. It was basically this bunch of old Cuban mu jazz musicians. Okay, sounds Who hot. got together. And I actually have like four of their albums. Wow. They're fantastic. I mean, you listen to this music, you you like close your eyes, and it's like you're sitting somewhere outside having a cool drink in Havana. That's fantastic. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really, it's, it's really great music. I highly recommend okay. Buena Vista Social Club. Buena Vista Social Club. Yeah. So, what is your sixth choice? Okay, so now what you did to me. <laughs> what I did. Yeah. And you'll see why. I asked for the sixth place, so I had room 
for Ricky Martin. I was debating Ricky Martin or Sophia, who has to go. <laughs> then I won the sixth. Okay, so I was like, oh, good, I can keep them both. Okay. Then you mentioned Ricky Martin. Yes. Okay, now, I have two choices. I can go with Ricky <laughs> for my sixth choice. Yes, or, go with Ricky. Don't no, start a whole No, 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 I have a good one. Oh, no. I have a good one. You mentioned the music, and now I have a good one. Okay. Okay, so it may be worth it for me to, to, to acknowledge Ricky's due. Okay. That he made it on both lists. Yes. Okay. But I'm going to sacrifice his spot in this moment, and I think he would agree with me. Oh, my God, you sound like old Tony. To replace him with Tito Puente. I almost put him on my list. But you didn't. I, I did. I almost put him, but Tito. then I just I went with Buena Vista Social Club instead. Which is sort of all encompassing the... the, uh, the, the because it was the, them, the Tito, Tito Puente, Puente, and also Celia Cruz. And Celia Cruz. Well, Celia Cruz. But I went with Buena Vista Social Club. Yeah, okay. <laughs> sort of, yeah, that's sort of a catch-all. Yeah. I'm a focus razor thin right now. Right on Tito on Puente. Tito Puente. <laughs> Jesus. I always remind, remember him for doing the song Mr. Burns on you The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> you t- you talk about uh, environmental, like, where it puts you in a place? Yes. Uh, and I think anybody who hears it knows exactly what place it is. Like, like some musicians will put you in a place, but... Each one of us decides what that place is. Yeah. When you listen to Tito Puente, then you know where you are. That's the same thing with Buena Vista Social Club. That's the same thing with You Chico. don't pick where your mind is Exactly, going. exactly. That where music it, sends yeah. you where to a specific you. place. And you recognize it, and you know where it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Cool. Tito Puente. Tito Puente. I made a good decision. I'm sorry, Ricky. You know you have my heart. You always have the leather pants with the, the photograph oh, on the God, bottom up right? with the leather pants. Oh. And your arms up in your belly. And, oh, my God, I want to feel that the happy trail. Against my forehead, but I'm I, I gave it to uh, Tito Puente, and, and I know it's. Okay. I'm sure Ricky will understand. Ricky understands. He does. It's now time for our next segment. Get off my lawn. Get off my lawn. Did you hear me? I said, get off my lawn now. Yes, it's time for the grumpy old gaming gripe of the week. See, now this is rough for me. Why? Because the image that I have fresh in my head now from the last segment mm-hmm. was Ricky Martin's happy trail on my forehead. Okay. So it's really hard for me to think of a gripe right now because the image in my head is so happy. Okay. You want to go first? I'll go first All then. Right, so you go first. My gripe was... Oh, I know what this is. Even though, even though the issue was resolved tonight, oh. my gripe was about how long it took me... To find an actor to fill a role in a play. It took me... Well, it didn't help that the actor I originally casted in a year ago, and who I kept in touch with about it, all of a sudden posted on Facebook, Oh, I'm in this play I'm doing. I'm in this show. And I was like, Oh, really? <laughs> I was like, What happened to my show? And he's like, Oh, I forgot. But I'm like, Yeah, whatever. So I moved on. And but it took forever. I don't know how many actors I asked to take this role, and no one seemed to be available. Why? Because they were involved in other productions. That's exactly right. So all the good ones are working. I'll just say that if I ever have an actor in his 30s or 40s come up to me and say, oh, there's never any roles available for me, or why don't you cast me in something? I'm going to be like, go fuck yourself. Dude, you have to relax. (laughs) Why? Because basically you're dealing with volunteer actors. I understand that. And volunteer actors are very happy to share their talents for the right role at the right time in the right place, blah, 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 whatever their criterion is. Criterion? Is that a word? Criteria? Criterium. No. Sounds like a laboratory thing. <laughs> Maybe it is. Maybe we can make it like a, some sort of secret special gas. Inside the criteria. The criterion. <laughs> 
And we had to remove his criteria. No. Um, case the criteria. It's, uh, okay, we'll come up with something. Maybe gas. Criterium gas sounds believable. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Criterium gas. Um, whatever the criteria is for an actor to choose a part, um, the good ones are busy because they're, they're playing their roles. A lot of people, what uh, somebody, I don't remember who, said over the weekend was uh, actors seem to be settling into a spot. They're working with this company or they're working with that company right. or they're working with that. And not many of them are willing to go beyond that. And that is new. And uh, there are probably a couple of different things responsible for that. Well, and it's, I'm seeing... The opposite side of that, where I know actors who don't feel like they're welcome at certain theaters because they're not part of the inner circle or whatever. Which is a result of what I'm saying, is that actors are staying at one place. Yeah. And that becomes like that, and that's what it is. And so it's not like a Broadway thing where it's a family business, the Netherlanders are putting on a show. You know what I mean? And yes. even they have their own sorts of... Because they're probably... Yeah. Okay? So, but uh, you had to do what you had to do for the production uh, to survive it to move forward so you found a resolution but your problem is really your gripe actually it's the perfect example of a gripe it's like a bullshit problem that you just bitch about right it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, good gripe <laughs> I thought that so. was good gripe that was good you shouldn't have to go it shouldn't be this hard to cast an actor to find you know? an actor and, and uh, to play the role I mean it's a good role yeah it is a good role you know it's the weird it's five actors on stage for 90 minutes it's intimidating there's a there's the, the, it's a challenging play for uh, any actor I think it's it's a lot of words and you're supposed to be able to effectuate a effectuate effectuate that's a, a word a uh, Irish accent yes to some degree and I'm trying to tell my actors I don't want no some thick Irish bro that I hear in the, the film The Quiet Man or that some people do in cheesy films and they do these cheesy Irish accents no I said I want to keep this light and conversational because this play is pretty much almost I'd say 75 to 80 percent conversational and when you say conversational I'm thinking well plays are conversational by nature it has a word it's dialogue so it's part it's all it's all about but but this is not like a play where some people where people are like having long speeches or long expositions to give okay None of that really going... These are mostly characters who all know each other for years, and there are two who are antagonists to each other. Well, that's the... That's so the, it's everyone shooting one line out at each other, and a lot of... And it's like, you have to keep track of all that. It's a lot to keep track of. Irish. Actor. And doing the Irish accent at the it's same I, time. It's, it's Irish, so... Uh, and it's not just... So that's why I wanted light and conversational. Uh, but it's not just an Irish accent. It's Irish turns of phrase. It's Irish... Well, that's uh, another thing, too. I have to do all the research on the, a lot of the vernacular and some of the phrases that are used exactly. in the because not everyone's going to understand what they mean unless Martin we Mc know what they mean. Now, I... For me, Martin McDonough. Right. McDonough, okay, so that's the Irish playwright. This is the same thing. The this Irish is Conor McPherson. Right, but it's the same sort of... To me, Irish, um, stereotypical Irish playwright. Right. The small town, uh, the people who know each other too well, The uh, what comes out of a stranger being thrown in, or yeah. a new situation being thrown in, yep. or somebody finally reveals something, and it all happens on this, you know, windy coast with yeah. cable-knit sweaters and Irish lasses with Irish spring soap for the gentleman. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah, me too. I love it. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. So, I think... Dark comedy. The Irish are specialists with dark comedy. Yes, they are. Martin McDonough in particular, as far as I know. I'm sure there are others I know. Don't send hate mail. Patrick Finn at Grumpy Old Gaming <laughs> and the dogs like <laughs>
Anyway, have you come up with your gripe yet? Oh, shit. No. No? Um, wait. You know what? I really hate bird shit on my car. Okay. <laughs> Has it been a, a problem lately? Not any more than usual. Okay. Then what has prompted you to bring this up? A desperate desire for something to end this. <laughs> and the, the thing that I thought when I thought was, how can I get out of this? I saw bird shit on my car. So I said, I really... Uh, bird shit on my car. Here's oh. my gripe of the week. Wow, thanks. It just seems like <laughs> there's plenty of room from their perspective to shit. On the other hand, do they know they're going to shit or does it just fall out of them? I don't know. I'm not a bird. You, you would think that there would be some sort of voluntary muscle response that you'd need to shit. Well, they probably just sit there, you know, hanging out. It goes. In parades, it they always looks like that. They, they don't seem to give it a lot of thought. You That's know? what I'm saying. It's like even the parade, uh, the horses, okay. it just sort of falls out of them. They don't even stop walking. Well, it's like, not like us. It's not like they're going to stop and sit down and look at their phone or pull out a magazine. Pull out the squatty potty. <laughs> uh, uh, or even the dog or the cat that, you know, squats to take a... Yes. You know, does it a just, dog shows more concern about its pooping than, like, a bird does. A, a dog pays attention to where it's going to land. Yes. Yes, it does. Birds just seem to shit on everything. Yes, they do. And uh, I, that's my gripe. I don't like it. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. All right. We now have reached the conclusion of our show for this week. How long? Uh, it doesn't matter. I'm edit, 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 I, I anyway. asked a question. I didn't ask for... Or some bullshit <laughs> distraction. What's the answer to the question? Well, what's the question? How long have we been recording? Almost two hours. Okay. Okay. When you say almost. Almost. Hour 45? Uh, hour 57. Uh, Patrick. <laughs> Mr. Attorney motherfucker. You want to talk to people. I said almost say two, two hours. hours. Up to an hour 57. An hour 57 is not accurate. almost two hours. Yes, it is. It's two hours. No, two hours would be two hours, not an hour and 57 minutes. May something happen to help you unclench your ass. <laughs> Okay, some sort of gay fairy to come and help you uh, release the sphincter. Just let it go, for fuck's sake. Let go of that criterium gas. Uh, exactly right, because that is some criterium gas up there. It's going to blow a hole in something. Anyway, we want to say thank you to my husband and producer, Stephen Prendergast, for supplying us with Tommy's chocolate chip cookies that he brought earlier this evening. Dare Entenmann's, I highly recommend them. Yes, we do love our Entenmann's here. As a hostess gift. Damn right. We also remind you that you can find all of our episodes, plus our bonus material on our website, www.grumpyoldgameandunderdogs.com. You're going to have to explain why you do that someday. Just to annoy you. That's why. Just to annoy you. Didn't you do it once and I mocked you? Yes. And so now you've done now it. Now I do it on purpose, just to annoy you. Just to annoy you. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I, I'm going to tell you. You're very successful. It's extremely annoying. Well, thank you. Um, so, yeah, good for you. <laughs> also, don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook and on Twitter as well. Both Twitter and Facebook. Yes. What both. about that other one? Insta, Insta? Instagram? We're not on Instagram not yet. not on Instagram. Do we have a... a, a, a what's the, all the kids watching now? TikTok? TikTok. No, we're not on there. When we start doing videos, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be on TikTok We've then. We've discussed this. <laughs> Maybe I'll make them without you. I, if you're going to make them, you're going to. I guess tell I'm them, going to then. So there. All right. <laughs> I'm going to cross my arms and turn my back. 
Exactly. You flip my hair. Be like that, bitch. Exactly. And on that note, we're gonna say have a good night, have a good week, have a good life, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye, bitches. Thank <laughs> you.